0: Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor.
1: Welcome back to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we crack the mirror and break apart the film Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and joining me again today are my new friends from Bat Minute, Niall McGowan and Jonathan Parker. Thanks for having us. Hey. Oh, so glad to be back. So today we are talking about minute two. Minute two of Being John Malkovich starts with a uh, continued close-up of the Craig puppet and ends one minute later with the Craig puppet turning away from the real Craig and starting into some sort of spin. So what did you think of this minute, lads?
0: Oh, I, I really like this one. I know that sounds weird for only the second minute. Yeah, but I was fascinated by it. it. But my first question is: Do either of you are either of you really into puppetry? Because I've never really seen it done properly. Mm. I've only mm. seen kids' stuff. Mm. Like I did go to Prague, and they had like a big shadow puppet theater show on. Yeah. And I ended up missing it. Oh, mm.
2: I was devastated. I really that was sort of my one opportunity. <laughs> well, that's weird. We had a mutual friend, John, of course, had a sort of shadow puppets show put on. Uh, not too long back as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the frequent guests of the show, uh, Kit Flemons and Clara York, like wrote and produced oh, Shadow Puppet but Play I, a
0: while back. But I missed it. I was there. I saw the first three minutes and then because I was on some new medication I passed out mm. and that's
2: oh carried out. you missed no. it <laughs> show of your
0: life John
2: that was the greatest thing I've ever seen
0: I know I, when I finally felt okay I was like right I'm ready to go back in that's when everyone came out and was like that was great yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> like, thank God we'll never have to
2: perform that again <laughs>
1: <laughs> burned all the shadow puppets and
2: yeah <laughs> well thank well, Austin you, you can back me up and you probably have seen it you know yourself too John but like one of the, the one of Ireland's biggest celebrities is a puppet uh, Dustin the turkey Boston. Well, Bosco <laughs> as well, actually, yeah. But uh, the-
1: yeah, I mean, we have a we have a long and proud tradition uh, in this country. From like like I'm I'm a very very old man, so I remember things that uh, you wouldn't remember, Niall, But uh, I remember Wanderley Wagon. That was the yeah, that was the Lambert Puppet Theatre here in Ireland, which has yeah, which is like very well respected, and they were involved in the puppet festival international puppet festival that was was run by them or at least in collaboration with them about 10 years ago that uh, came to Dunleary and uh, mm. I went to see it and Philip Huber the puppeteer where whose work we're watching in this very minute uh, performed there and um, yeah he was amazing and he was uh, yeah I went up and talked to him afterwards and that's what you know planted in my head that uh, I, I knew i had to talk to him for for this podcast yeah. so so like my connection with puppetry kind of centers around this and it's like i've gone to um in salzburg there's an amazing puppet theater there myself and my wife went to see um der Sauberflut, the magic flute uh, by, by mozart done like the orchestra wasn't live but the puppetry was live and um, yeah, it was it was amazing the 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 level of of craft that was involved, and they had like a bit of a puppetry museum there as well, so you could see in the displays all of these fantastic puppets mm-hmm. and costumes and everything. So, <sighs> like, it's it's uh, yeah, it's amazing stuff. So I'm kind of like, I suppose I'm more into puppetry than the average person, but my my love of it, the kind of spine tingling realization that puppetry is is like an amazing art form comes from this movie
2: i have to actually ask um, Austin because like, th- this is a real like because I've, I've never met anyone else in real life who said like oh yeah I know that do you re- remember the Irish TV show The Rimini Riddle
1: The Rimini Riddle <laughs> yeah it's... no now wow.
0: one other person did. Okay. remember that person who sent us an Instagram message Oh that, that was, oh, that
2: that's a that's a story for another time, that. But
1: uh the yeah. Riddle. I gotta say, I the the name sounds familiar. It was um, but, but early, it doesn't no.
2: the early to mid nineties, it was a puppet show with really realistic okay. looking Irish puppets. And it was oh, like, not, not, not like not no like it wasn't Marionette kind of puppets. It was like um it was all felt and stuff, but Okay. It was okay, Zig it, and Zack, yes, but it was not of a better quality than Zig and Zag. <laughs> but they were horrifying looking as well. But it was like I loved it at the time. But you can't like, apparently RT now are just like, oh yeah, we we, we acknowledge its existence, but we we're not releasing that in any way, shape, or form. You can get a Why? couple yeah. of clips on YouTube, and there are like there's groups on Facebook. Like, can anyone track down any information about the Rimini Riddles? <laughs> this-
1: this is mad. And what, what slot was it on in? Was it, it like I, was it on in the den or was it on a Saturday morning thing? I
2: distinctly remember it being in an odd an odd position. It used to be on at like six p.m. and RT1 on a Sunday. <laughs> which is just like that's when like Glenn Rose on. Like what but the thing is, it was presented like it was a weird show. It was like it was a little bit of soap kind of drama where it was all about these kids who went to stay with their what? aunt who lived in a lighthouse, as I recall. It was a bit like Round the Twist, actually. I was going to say, is it Round yeah. the Twist? You're mixing uh, it up. Yeah, I think there was a... a she was in a lighthouse. Oh, I think I Actually, no, they didn't. she didn't live in a lighthouse. There was a picture, a painting on the wall that had two kids on it, and there was a lighthouse in the background, and the painting was alive. <laughs> and it turned out to be haunted in some way. But there was other things. Oh. As it went on, like the little brother, and, um, he had a, a little doll of an otter called Otto, and Otto was alive as well. And it turned out, and it, this suited me because, like I same when I was a kid, I was like seeing repeats of Twin Peaks in the evening and stuff. It turned Ooh. out Otto was actually possessed by an entity from another realm. Nile,
1: Nile, oh. Nile. Yeah. I, I want you to take a deep breath. Yeah. I want you to have a lie down. <laughs> I never I'm get to talk about, about this, Austin. <laughs> it's all in your head. You have <laughs> imagined
0: it. It never existed.
1: I, I like. I have to see it. It's in my head now.
2: Apparently you can't. I can send you, to, I can send you, there's like two clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. And like yeah. none of it has oh, like wow. any of the stuff I remember from it, but I remember the Snicklips, like, oh yeah, there was like another dimension in it. And there was like these things mm-hmm. that were coming in to, to kidnap children and stuff. It was it was a scary was show. Crazy. But it, yeah, it's just this weird thing. The, like, the Rimini now are just like, you know what? Nah, yeah, we made that, but we're not. We know we got the tapes and stuff. We're not bringing that out, though. <laughs> it's like, why well, not? they don't. Everyone wants RT, it.
1: RT, RT don't like RT. Started releasing DVDs. Well, I don't know, ten years ago. Everything was ten years ago for me, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, anything that was in the past uh, that wasn't yesterday I was like, oh, that was about ten years ago. Jeez. Um, but uh, yeah, about ten years ago, they started releasing like Bosco and Limited the Den stuff on, on. Uh, dvd and it was like okay the floodgates are opening now we're gonna see some and no um it didn't
2: They also, Arty, a lot of puppetry stuff. Though was a Dustin the Turkey ran for yeah. Eurovision for Ireland at one point. I was going to say <laughs> that's how I know of Dustin the Turkey. The Eurovision, yes. yeah. Yeah. Eurovision. Yeah. No, he's like, yeah, He's like he's like one of Ireland's biggest celebrities. Like he's like he's, he's he's genuinely he's genuinely a good act as well. I love Dustin, but uh, they get Pod Pod and Raj and stuff like that. Ireland's a big history. Yeah, I mean with puppets on I TV. Mean,
1: yeah, I mean well Pod and Raj and Zig and Zag and. Uh, and Dustin, uh, all come from the same kind of pool yeah, of yeah. the Dan and and Saki. If you want to go there, yeah. like. and Snodder um, the, uh, and <laughs> Snodder, yeah, yeah.
0: I wonder why more of these didn't come over here. Like we got Zig and Zag. Obviously they're on the Big Breakfast, but we mm. didn't get any of the others off the top of my head.
3: I, I don't um,
2: wonder if Dustin would be too crude for early morning British probably. TV. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, he's and he's too like Dublin. He's too specific. <laughs> To a region, which I guess that's I'm actually that's I shouldn't say that because that's kind of that's what TV executives think and stuff. And (laughs) and, but it, it turns out that whenever you put something that's really specific to a region people actually really respond to it because the specific is the generic. You know what I mean? Like, when The way
2: you're getting like, Dairy Girls is taking off big in America exactly, now. Exactly. Because it's like this, yeah, yeah, this yeah.
1: wonderful foreign product that's coming over. And it's a slice of life, and it's something you haven't seen before, and it has this refreshing thing. You know, Oh, it's that like, must um,
0: confuse Americans, that program.
2: <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of Americans who really, really love it, and they're just like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. And the, I watch that show, and I'm mm. like, it's okay, yeah, I, I just <laughs> like it because it's like I grew up near Derry in the 90s, so I just go, oh, I yeah. recognize that. But the actual writing yeah. of it, I'm just a bit like, eh, it's okay.
1: <laughs> that's fine.
3: Yeah.
0: Send your own scripts in. Yeah. I, I don't mean that as a as like a piss take. I mean, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Write but, your own um, scripts then if you think it's so mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but going back to your original question of what we think of the minute, i um, I hope I don't steal anything you're going to say, but what I really like <laughs> about this minute as well is that um, it's telling us a lot about the film before we yeah. even are aware of it.
2: Mm, yeah. Because he's looking in the mirror, nice.
0: the puppet. Mm-hmm. He doesn't recognize himself, is the sort of mm-hmm. impression we get. And he, he kind of freaks out about it, like, oh, oh. yeah. And, and then, of course, he looks up to the puppeteer. Mm-hmm. So he knows that he's a puppet. It's the source of his angst.
1: Mm, um, absolutely. Which,
0: Which I thought, you know, it's not only about the film, but it's like about life. Because we often don't feel in control of ourselves, of our lives, of our actions. Yeah. So it's like working on multiple layers here. I really Mm. like that.
2: Yeah, there's a recurring thing going on. Like, who is puppeteering the puppeteer and stuff? Like, Mm. Craig is a guy who, (laughs) uh, as we see throughout the rest of the week as well, it's like he does have a passion, but he's very entitled. And it feels as if his life has got away from him because he's not getting the things he wants to do. But mm. so his life mm. has been controlled by just other factors outside yeah. forces
1: by the, the wintry economic climate. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. um,
2: I also got the, you know, the not recognizing himself in the mirror, but I also detected like a, a sense of self loathing and whatnot and like seeing yeah, himself yeah. in the mirror. And it's just yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot going on in this, uh, it is this, ambiguous
1: because it, it could be that he doesn't recognize himself, it could be that he, um, yeah hates himself or it could be that he is in that moment seeing that he is a puppet mm, yeah. seeing something uh, about himself that he's never seen yeah. well we're all and, puppets and in some lethal. form
2: they could have yeah. had sandy shaw's Isn't puppet on a string pup? playing in this, this opening <laughs> as well like, God damn
1: it. they missed a trick yeah sling your hook bail a <laughs> <laughs> again
0: a fan needs to do that come on, get on yeah, YouTube. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but it just, the, the thing that strikes me about this minute is this where, like like I was saying, this kind of spine-tingling moment where you just, the illusion of life in this puppet is so strong and you're just responding to him as a character. You're, you're just, like, you're drawn in. And mm-hmm. to me, just, uh, yeah, the first time I saw this film... And I didn't know there was going to be anything about puppets and I'm just completely enthralled by this. And the, the subtlety, the dexterity, the, just the, the, the natural movements yeah. that he makes across the stage. Um, and, and you're just looking at him, his face in particular, and you're just like, this fucker is thinking. Yeah, he's got proper expressions and things. Mm. It's bizarre, mm. like and, bizarre. And, and the illusion of an internal life as well as an mm-hmm. external one, which is just, that's what really gets to me.
0: It's so good. I really love all of that stuff. And it feels like I am watching an act like a play. Mm. And yeah. I don't
2: question that this is a puppet until it makes a point of it, you
1: know? Yeah.
2: Just even the crafting of his face too, because obviously he's designed to look like Craig in the hair and the beard. But it even kind of looks like John Cusack's face. But then I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it does. Just, it's just a generic mar- marionette face, and I'm projecting John Cusack. No, onto no, it's
1: it's 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 made by um, a group called Images in Motion. Mainly, the woman who did the work is um, Camila Portuguese, and she was known at the time and still is for doing very realistic uh, faces of particular people so she did the spice girls dolls oh. so she got the facial features of the spice girls down and nowadays those facial features are done with 3d scans and 3d printing uh for prototyping and all that and 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 you know making molds and mm. but um <clears throat> so she does more impressionistic kind of uh, work nowadays but yeah at the time any time you need a celebrity's face or an actor's face for, for an action figure or a doll or whatever, you have to get somebody who had that particular talent.
2: That's, I remember like and, what, like, what, like two or three years before this, when uh, Kenner relaunched their whole Star Wars line in like around oh 97. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember my brother coming to me and being like, have you seen these new Star Wars toys? They're amazing. They look exactly like the actors, and I was like there with the Luke Skywalker going in the face, yeah. But Mark Hamill's like he's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger here. Like yeah, what yeah, it's the buff this? Luke? Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's a classic that though. It's yeah. I, I love it
0: now, but at the time I was like, what the
2: hell is this? This is again,
0: buff Vader, friggin'
2: <laughs> hand
0: swollen. It annoyed me
1: so much. Yeah,
2: was it to compete with like
0: He-Man and stuff? I think He-Man so. He-Man was out the... of vogue by then, right? Oh yeah, well, well I. I, th- I
1: he, he man had fallen out of vogue, but I think whatever, I think the whole um, action figure business was kind of running scared, and they were just they were they were making decisions based on fear because the bubble had kind of bur- burst by that stage, mm. and um, I don't know what the the last big toy line was before that. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, turtles. I suppose. Yeah, turtles would have been the, the the one that was closest to it in time. That was massive. Must you know? be turtles. Yeah, <clears throat> and they were all everything. they were and they were all like even outside of the turtles themselves, they were all super. Roided it up, mm. so they had to be. Yeah, they didn't have to be. They just thought they. Had yeah, to be, they, <laughs> yeah. Just, they just were cowardly fools.
0: So what I want in this is a, a special edition version of being John Malkovich, where this is just a really buff, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah huge, and John Q says, "Okay, yes, I, I completely sign off on this."
1: Well, it's actually like it's 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 not entirely out of character that that uh, Craig Schwartz would have like his head but on a super soul. Kind of.
0: <laughs> well, it would it would also tell you a little bit about his character like how he you know what he wants to maybe be Yeah, because he clearly yeah. even in these little scenes like you get the impression even more so coming up in the next minute or two yeah. that he he wants something else. Mm. Like he's not just puppeteer. wants puppeteering to live in a different fun. body? Yeah. Mm. And you get that vibe here because he's He's in control of the puppet, but it's it's not just he's in control of a puppet. It's like it's like this is it's him. Yeah, it yeah. is actually him. He's not just oh, I'm pulling some strings. Uh, this is fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just everything about this too is like it 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 does. I'm a big Talking Heads fan, so everything I'm watching this puppet, I'm just I'm, I'm hearing you know this is not my beautiful house. This is not uh, my beautiful wife. Yeah, life or yeah. like that that seems to be his. His existential ennui at this point of a guy It's like, yeah, he he's found himself in a position in life where it's like, this isn't anything like I thought I was going to be at you know at this at this age. And as it, you know, as to why Craig ends up where he you know he is, we can talk about that you know as as the, as the week goes on. But yeah, it does kind of strike as yeah because when he is in Malkovich later, you know they allude to John Malkovich being a kind of almost a bit of a you know a pretty pretentious kind of guy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It seems kind of like. In some ways, you almost are thinking like why Craig is very talented. So it's like yeah, why yeah. Why, why Malkovich and not him? Why frigging Derek Mantini and Derek not him?
1: Mantini? <laughs> yeah, like why
2: why did these guys make it and this guy didn't and stuff? <clears throat> you know, you you, it, it, you almost kind of do side with him in that where he's like yeah, well he is obviously he's put the time into his art. So yeah, exactly. why hasn't it paid See, this off? This is what for him? I'm
0: saying. He's not a total jerk like a. Yeah. Things I think escalate. when it comes to, like, locking your wife Things in a cage with a chimpanzee, it's kind of like, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, pretty at, far at, gone. At that point, he snapped, yeah. But, like,
1: at the beginning, he's... Pre-snap. He's, he's a he's, nice guy. I think <laughs> it's like,
2: a, as soon as he sees Catherine Keener, and he's just like, all right, I'm cheating on my wife. It's just like, oh, this guy's a scumbag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not,
2: I'm not condoning
1: his actions, mm. uh, but, you know. Um. So the interesting thing about him looking up at the strings uh, for me is that, like, that just screams Kaufman. You know what I mean? It's mm. such a Kaufman idea and self-awareness mm. and layers and control of one. And, and playing with scale, one size version of a full-size person. And then that he's um, that he's looking up the strings. And it's just fascinating that that's not in the original, the, the first draft of the script. The first draft of the script just describes... It, it, the scene is basically going for it, it's kind of one note in the script it's just going for how good a puppeteer Craig is um, and yeah. which is absolutely a key point in the film and and we get it here in spades but we also get more of this all of this crazy stuff that the, the philosophical stuff that we're able to talk about and, and kind of speculate about which which as you were saying, presage all of the themes of the movie. You know? Yeah, mm. it's telling us the
0: story. Like, we don't yeah. know it's telling us the story if we haven't seen it. Mm. But we're mm. getting a, a huge portion, like, literally, Malkovich does a similar thing. Like, he's looking, I don't mean when he's doing a dance, mm. but yeah. you know, he, he looks in the mirror and all kinds of, he's like, what the... Yeah, yeah. He knows yeah. something's
2: off, like this puppet. Mm. Yes. That's one um, as well, though, like, um, something you, you would obviously know, Boston, but there's like, as a recurring thing throughout the work of uh, Charlie Kaufman, like you know, because you see in the next movie, he you know, we're seeing the strings been pulled here. And obviously, adaptation. He is literally showing you the strings been pulled in the making of this movie, <laughs> and the, and the, adap- yeah. the adaptation process of like how how that's done and stuff. But like just at the actual concept of someone not control of their own body or their own life and stuff like that. Because, you, you know, you even get things like, you know, Eternal Sunshine, where it's like someone having their memories wiped from them. And then the, uh, Elijah Wood's character is literally manipulating Kate Winslet. And that's like, you know, he's puppeteering yes. her actions and whatnot. And even going out to like the next script that he had produced, that, you know, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind has like mm-hmm. Chuck Barris has been like puppeteered by the CIA in a way. where like they come and just go, you're going to go, we're making you into an assassin. And whenever we want you to go do stuff. You have to drop everything and go do it and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, just be. It's w- wondering all how connected, much more... man. Yeah, it
1: is all connected. It is a bit. Yeah, no, yeah, it is. It's, it's all there. And the and like what, especially when something is written with this kind of uh, flurry of inspiration and uh, speed, uh, as the first draft of the script was written with, uh, you get you get a writer revealing a lot about themselves. Mm because they're accessing just more unconscious feelings and they're going with their gut more. So it's no surprise that he lays out what will become all of his kind of themes and archetypes in this creative explosion, you know? I I
2: actually always feel a little bad, though, uh, because if you see pictures of Charlie Kaufman... He's not, like, mm-hmm. he's not a bad-looking guy. Like, he's a pretty good, like, you know, for what he is, he's like, yeah, he's a good-looking fella. But he constantly has avatars of himself within his movies. And they're always, yeah. like, the saddest, slubbiest-looking people. <sighs> yeah. They're always complete messes. Like, the way he portrays himself in Adaptation. Adaptation as this, like, balding, yeah. neurotic wreck of a person. is well, like... Yeah. We all hate ourselves. Yeah, but with him, it's just, like, cause, it's just weird, because if you've got someone else like that, say, like using John Cusack as an example. Yeah. You get like, and was it Bullets Over Broadway? That uh, Woody Allen has John Cusack as the Woody Allen role. I think it's that yeah. or Manhattan, Manhattan Mystery maybe. I'm not too sure, but I, I do recall seeing John Cusack essentially playing Woody Allen at one point. And it's just like, Woody, you're not John Cusack. John Cusack's a really <laughs> yeah. charming, really handsome guy yeah. and stuff. Whereas this is like gone to the flip of the other direction of where it's like, yeah, we've got John Cusack. We've tried to make him Look as much of a goddamn mess as possible. Yeah. It does seem like Charlie Kaufman really, like, you know, obviously neurotic people will write avatars themselves to be a bit more critical. But Mm. him in particular is, is like, you know seeing like you know, people like uh, Jesse Plemons playing the kind of or, or Flo Seymour Hoffman where they just look they just look like messes basically yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. just like dude you're not that bad <laughs> like I don't know he's, you personally but you you look like you kind of got a bit more together than <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but, I, I think he, he
1: I, d- I think he definitely enjoys leaning into it you know what I mean and he he does he does kind of have a smirk when he's you know Taking the piss out of himself, and I have no doubt that the self-loathing is all there. It's all real, but he has just kind of hit a vein of it uh, creatively, and 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 like commercially as well. You know what I mean? It's like it 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 got him noticed. You know, mm. yeah. But he does play it up, and in in the the introduction to the screenplay book Faber and Faber. I mean, he he just gives us this first time I read it years ago, I didn't know it was um, it was total bullshit, but he's like living in his car in this. And he's like, you know, they asked me to write an in- introduction. I don't have a clue. I'm, a, you know, I'm I'm washed up and I've been kind of like been sp- spit out by Hollywood kind of thing and, and like... Um, oh, it's genius. Yeah, I'm living out of my car. Just to clarify, I can afford to live in a house. I just need to be away from people and... I, like I just read that somebody put it up on a Charlie Kaufman fan site years ago. It was about ten years ago, and uh, he um, I just read it going like, "Is this real? Is it?" And he has, and he has done. And Spike Jones does the same kind of thing. That like, the the anything from the publicity of the film, it just starts. He just starts taking the piss. I love and, that. I uh, mean, the whole of adaptation great. is
0: taking the piss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um yeah and i mean he he alluded to the existence of donald in in a in a piece of writing that came out before adaptation was even written amazing so he he had this notion of a fake brother so you could kind of believe that Donald existed in some way. And like I know that when I watched the movie for the first time, I wasn't sure if there was any kind of Donald in real life. Mm. I assume there was. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> a lot of That's people did. And, won and, an uh, Oscar.
0: Like how good could, could yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was so, yeah. so clever. I, I'm obsessed with that whole thing. Just oh, the, yeah, yeah. the the blur in the lines. And you say he was like planting the seeds of stuff. So basically he's like the original uh, Marvel Studios. He's planting the seeds it's of what's coming in later at work.
1: <laughs> so what else have we got for this minute? Do we do we have any other pithy observations? I don't
0: have any specific notes other than just how much I love it. Amazing puppet, amazing emotions. Uh the the puppeteer, uh, I've forgotten his name already. You Philip Huber. Yep, yeah, that's him. Absolute god. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never seen anything like this. It's like I, I didn't remember how much of the puppets were in it as well. I seem seemed to yeah. you know uh, from I haven't watched it for a few years now probably about 8 years. And I thought oh yeah there's that bit with the puppets at the start and st- I didn't realize it was like a, such a theme. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it oh, is, no, that, it's it's huge.
2: I mean that was at the when I um, was watching it the other night I found like the this uh, an alternate I think it's just, like a fan made poster which I actually prefer to the original poster now oh, where yeah, yeah. it's an image of uh, Malkovich standing with his arms up and then Craig Shadow puppeteering him from behind and it's yeah. just like yeah, it's like, yeah the, 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 puppet, the puppeteering is actually like that is the movie in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's yep, just about yep. a guy learning it to puppeteer someone else
1: and stuff So it has come to that time again I'm afraid we can't hold you here any longer and you're going uh, to be spat out I, I don't know if it's going to be the New Jersey Ter- where were you spat out last time by the way?
2: Uh, I was uh, spat out uh, just by the Hollywood sign actually. It was a little bit of oh, nice. draft. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, yeah, it was it was just uh, unexpected, but I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. But uh, you know what how much <laughs> it cost you for like a churro near that? It was like $40. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I
0: I was spat out in Bend, Oregon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're about to be spat out again. See you later.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, dear listener, it's just us now, and I have a treat for you today. Uh, As I alluded to in the conversation with Niall and John, I interviewed Philip Huber, the puppeteer who did the marionette performances in Being John Malkovich. I had a fascinating conversation with him. Uh, We spoke for about two hours about his experience on the film, his career, and about the art of puppetry. So as the series goes on, I'll be playing excerpts from that conversation in the relevant episodes. Uh, We had to record over video chats, so the sound isn't going to be amazing. Uh, But uh, in today's segment, we join the conversation mid-flow, and we're talking, of course, about Craig's dance of despair and disillusionment.
3: And the most difficult shot, of course, of everything, was the hitting of the glass off the table and hitting a mirror. And that was done with three people. I was working the marionette. David, my partner, was working his hand. There was another string going off of the hand to help guide it so that the hand goes straight on and hit the glass. The glass itself had a little tiny string on it that was put up high through another pulley, and it was a technician that once the glass was hit, he would pull that string to guide the glass to the mirror. Now, with all of these things, you might think it was scientifically it would just, like, really happen. It took a lot of takes. They had candy glass mirrors so that nobody could get hurt by yes. flying glass. And we, we went through several of them, quite a few of them. and We had quite <laughs> a few takes. And I knew this was going to be the most difficult one. And so I said to Spike, let's shoot this the first day. And that's what we did. We spent the first yeah. day just shooting that scene. So once we got that in the can, then I felt, felt good.
1: It's interesting because uh, only because I've studied these minutes so closely do I know that it's, it's cheated in the movie where you can see if you follow the path where the glass would fall after it's hit, it's clearly going to fall down on the floor and not, you know, <laughs> careen straight into the mirror. Yeah. But that's movie magic, you know what I mean. And the first time I saw it, my brain just said, "Oh, I must have, I must have misread the previous image. Here we are. It must have flown to the thing, because, because that's what happened." You yeah. know what I
3: mean? Oh, but yeah. when we got that one shot where the, you know, a couple of the shots happened where the the glass hit the mirror and all it did was crack the mirror. Oh. Nothing, nothing much happened, and, and you could hardly tell. Sometimes with the cracks. Yeah, yeah. So then they put a new one in. But then when we got that one shot and the pieces just flew. Boom. And we were ah, that's it. Hallelujah. You that's know? glorious. One of those glorious. great shots. Another difficult shot in the Dance of Despair and Disillusionment was where the puppet had to turn and look in the mirror. And he had to be focused in the mirror and then walk towards the mirror. Now, I'm seeing everything through a monitor that's on set. So I'm working the marionette, watching the monitor. (laughs) That's the only way I can see what the camera is seeing and so I can get focused. And it was so hard to get the marionette to focus on his own reflection and walk into the mirror and stay focused. I can't tell you how many times I start walking towards the mirror And the head just starts shifting a little bit off, (laughs) going, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) Especially when you were talking about your method and that you're specifically trying to put yourself in the head and the, the, the subjective point of view of that puppet. And now you have to watch a monitor. Yes. So you've got your you've got your actual human eyes, your imagination eyes of the puppet and this the eye of the camera that you're watching in a monitor. So you've got to be in three places at once to make it work. Well,
3: monitors are usually, they're giving you a, a totally reversed image. Yes. So yeah. puppeteers get used to working with it. The, all the Muppet puppeteers, it's no problem for them. Right? Yes. They know yeah. that when they come in this side, that it's going to be on, yeah. this way on the, on the yeah. mirror. Yeah. But uh, I am not used to that, and that's because I have to go between the control of the marionette and looking at the marionette itself and then to the monitor. So it's only key moments like that where I have to pull my eyes completely away from the puppet and look at the monitor so I always ask him to do a reverse image for me uh, a mirror image it comes up. Yes and yeah. that I can handle my my brain will will jump between those two things quickly enough and so that's the only way I was able to hold that focus into the mirror and then when he got to the mirror Spike was saying, I want him to have a surprised look. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you do a surprised look with a marionette? All he had was opening and closing eyes. And so I said, okay, what you do is I'm going to half-lid his eyes. The lids are going to be a little bit down, and you're going to start the scene, and then I'm going to let them pop open. All the way open, yeah and so that was the way we got the little surprise and and they thought that was great i mean they loved that that we were able to get those kind of things those little nuances (laughs) did you have
1: a response or any connection with the uh the bartok piece used for the dance of despair and disillusionment
3: Well, I loved that piece. Uh, Music is really important to me. That's where I feel so much when I'm working a marionette and actually Spike Jones loved that piece so much. He had picked it out to begin with and he wanted it. And then they had difficulty getting rights to it. Oh, really? So he said to me, I'm not sure the piece is going to stay the same. And I said, oh, I hope it does because that is what I'm feeling. Yeah. You know, when I'm performing. And uh, so I was happy that that they were able to work it out and keep that